Let's pray to the Lord. This, this is a very, you know, I'm really excited about this sermon today. We're, we're jumping out of the sermon series on Matthew. Um, Pastor Larry just said, preach what's on your heart. And this is what's on my heart. So I'm, I'm excited about it. But as soon as you get excited, as soon as you start preaching, the enemy just wants to come right after you. So he's, I, I've been sensing him coming, trying to come after me a little bit today. But I'm thankful because uh, he who's in the world is not greater than he who has saved us, who has brought us to this moment. And so let's pray. Let's just turn our attention and our hearts toward the Lord. Heavenly Father, we know that all good things come from your hand directly to us. I'm just, I'm really excited about this passage, Lord, and I pray that you would stir up excitement within our hearts. I think it's a very, very important lesson for us right now. Just pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my refuge, my place of strength, our place of strength. So just take hold of this time by the power of your Holy Spirit. If we're thinking of other things, I just pray that we would turn our attention instead to you. Because uh, we, are, we are looking to you to see how to live in a challenging world full of suffering, full of death often but also full of your resurrection power. So lead us by your spirit, I pray, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can see the title of the sermon, Christ's Pathway to Resurrection. I like to hike. It's just something I enjoy doing. And I have such fond memories of the hikes that I've taken throughout my lifetime. Some of my favorite hikes are with, have been with my son, David. David was a Boy Scout. And uh, the one trip that I really remember, they took a trip for a whole month to Alaska. And then I joined them for the last 10 days of that trip. We spent our time hiking glaciers and the wooded trails that led to those glaciers. Uh, one of those hikes, this was my favorite hike, was to Bomber Glacier. It's named after a World War II bomber that crashed into the Alaskan mountains. So the idea is that you hike through this wooded area, you start hiking up the mountain over the glacier, and you finally come to the bomber, which is covered in snow, and you get to see the bomber. So um, here's actually, here's a picture of one of our, of this very hike to Bomber Glacier. If you could turn it to the next one, is it giving you some troubles there? Yeah, we're having some te technical difficulties. You can see part of it, but it's kind of faded out, so give it a second. Yeah, just use the PowerPoint by itself if it's giving you a hassle. What I tell you, the enemy tries to attack. Anyway, here we go. That is our, that's our hike to Bomber Glacier, right next to a glacier lake. Uh, I'm, I'm on the bottom right there in that white hat, um, feeling the pain, man. I'll tell you, at that moment, I was feeling the pain. But look at the, this beautiful glacier lake. Now you know I have such fond memories of taking hikes. Alaska was just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. On one part of this hike, I remember we came to this hill with a switchback. A switchback is just this zigzag trail that gets you up a steep mountain or a steep hill. And uh, here's a picture, not of this particular switchback, but that's a switchback. So you can't kind of go right up that mountain unless you're a mountain climber. You have to kind of zigzag your way up a steep mountain. So I'm going to take you on a switchback today. I'm going to take you on this steep mountain known as Christ's Pathway to Resurrection. 
a steep journey. It's one worth taking. There's going to be many challenges that we'll talk about. There's this switchback. We're going to take you all the way up that mountain. In this journey, it begins with rejoicing, and it ends with resurrection. So that's where we're going. We're going towards resurrection. So let's stand and let's read this scripture today. Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. We'll read it together. The word of the Lord. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a prosecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we'll see the next screen. As I said, this begins all with rejoicing. We rejoice right from the beginning of this steep trip up. We rejoice at the final destination, which is resurrection. Paul often is saying, in order for us to get through any type of suffering, we need to look at the destination. We have to have the destination in mind. Rejoice. Rejoice in the final destination of resurrection. Rejoice. It's the word Cairo. It means to be well, be glad, to rejoice exceedingly. So we, our hike right up this steep mountain begins by worshiping God. Because we know where he's going to take us in that final destination of resurrection. So the first, all of this is the switchback, but the first leg of the journey, verses 2 through 3, Paul says, look out for the dogs. Not mincing words, is he? At the outset of our hike, the apostle Paul tells us to look out for a particular enemy. If you want to just press that one more time for me, Karen. <clears throat> look out for a particular opponent to the gospel that's common in the New Testament. These are the Judaizers. These are the Christians who have adopted Christian customs, specifically circumcision. And then they insist that others do the same to show that they are saved. They point to visible things that people can do and say 
These are the very things that you must do to be a Christian. So they insist that the Gentiles become like Jews and get circumcised. Paul combats this heresy first by insulting them, calling them dogs, mutilators of the flesh. Then Paul continues by saying that we as true Christians don't need to be circumcised because we are the circumcision. The Christian life is not about putting our confidence in the flesh, about checking off items on some type of visible checklist to make ourselves feel good about ourselves or to look good to others. Instead, we are Christians by the Spirit of God. Amen? We'll talk more about confidence in the flesh in a second, but for now know that salvation, our deliverance from sin and all of its consequences, is not about what we do. It is done by God. It is the glory in Jesus because he was the one to do the outward work of going to the cross, going into the grave, and then bursting forth from the grave with resurrection power. The work of Christ creates a community of people, a family of nations who worship by the Spirit of God. So we're right back at rejoicing, aren't we? In the beginning of your journey towards resurrection, look out for those who would put confidence in the flesh. They will wreck your passage towards Christ's resurrection before it even begins. And so we hit the second switch back, the second turn in this journey up towards resurrection. Paul says, count as loss anything that gets in the way of your journey towards the peak of resurrection. Verses 4 through 9. Paul says, put no confidence in the flesh. John Calvin defined the flesh as anything outside of Jesus Christ. It includes everything in your life that has not bowed the knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Everything you turn to, everything you rely on, instead of Jesus Christ. That is what scripture calls the flesh. The Apostle Paul immediately sets up this comparison between himself and the Judaizers. He says, if anyone thinks there's reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church. And listen to this one, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Blameless. You see what Paul is doing here? He compares himself to others because that is what we naturally do when we are outside of Jesus Christ. If Paul didn't have Jesus, these are the very things that he would boast about. These would be his Facebook his Instagram pictures of a life without Jesus Christ. Now look specifically at what he brags about and what they represent. Circumcised on the eighth day, he followed tradition. His family followed the law and got him circumcised on the eighth day. Paul, This would be Paul's parents. That would be their Facebook post, little Paul in their arms. Isn't it wonderful? It's his brisk today, a circumcision. Isn't he so adorable? Like, 
smiley face, wow. Paul says, next, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew, of Hebrews. Paul had perfect pedigree. He had proper ethnicity and an outstanding ancestral tree. And then he says, as to the law, the Pharisees, the right fraternity of brothers, the proper education. This would be Paul's own Instagram picture. It would be him in his graduation gown and his cap, hashtag, graduate, hashtag class of AD 30, hashtag I did it, hashtag one degree smarter. I Googled, like, hashtags for graduation. That's what I did. And then, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, he had the correct religious and political alignment. As to righteousness under the law, blameless, Paul was a proper example of outward and visible obedience. What Matthew, in his gospel, calls outside-the-cup righteousness. When people look at Paul, they would say, now that is an example of what it means to be a Jew. Paul says, if you really want to compare lives based on this, there's no greater example than me. The only problem is, it is the wrong scale by which to judge ourselves and others. If you are on this path, then you are on the wrong trail completely. You're not even on the mountain. To get back on the pathway of resurrection, Paul says we need to count these things as laws. We need to count them as rubbish. The only problem is, in the Greek, it doesn't mean rubbish. It's the word skubalon. This is what it means. By the way, whoever developed a poop emoji, I don't, this, this is evil. And it usually has a smiley face. There's nothing smiley about it. Actually, and this is what really drives me a little crazy about English translations. They say rubbish. That's not what is said. They're being polite and nice. You can take, take that off the screen, please. That's too polite. Paul is going after a sense of worthlessness. He is, going, he is trying to cre- create a sense of revulsion in you as you hear this word. The word is crap. The word may even be more than that, but I won't say that today. That's what the word is. We can't be more polite than Paul was willing to be himself. He says the things that you count on apart from Christ, you have to treat them like crap in your life. There is no comparison to them and the glory, the surpassing glory of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord. My wife Amy is in warfare against the dogs in our neighborhood. It's true. It's true. We live right next to Fisher Park, and Amy has taken on the assignment of beautifying one section of Fisher Park, right by where we live, on 8th and Spencer. So she removes the weeds. She removes the overgrown bushes. She picks up trash. She plants flowers and azalea bushes. It looks very nice. And her worst enemy are the dogs in the neighborhood and the, the owners of these dogs who forget. I don't think they forget. They choose not to clean up when the dog does their business. She's always talking to me as we're driving up. She's like, look, look, Tim, he's not going to clean up after his dog. Look, Tim, are you looking, Tim? I'm like, uh, not, watch, watch, not going to clean up after the dog. I was like, honey, 
We've been talking about this forever. You know he's not going to clean up after his dog. We've talked to this person over and over again. You just need to let it be. Well, no, she will not allow that. So she just keeps preaching at me about this. Her chief nemesis is a Rottweiler on Franklin Street. You can imagine. Ah, we won't go there. I think I heard. I, I think I heard my wife once praying an imprecatory psalm against this particular animal. I don't know. I, might, I may have misheard. Sorry, dog lovers, but this is war. So why so passionate? Why so zealous against these dogs and the owners who refuse to clean up after themselves? Because there are these moments when Amy is driving up to the house after a long day's work, probably not thinking about anything, or maybe just thinking about dinner, I don't know. She parks the car, she opens the door, and splat, squish. It's worse when you have a pair of sneakers on, it gets all into the grooves and nooks and crannies. Ah, oh. it is TMI, and that's exactly the point. It is, it is exactly the point. Do you feel any sense of revulsion coming forth from your spirit? I have a hard enough time telling you these things. You, you grab a stick, you try to pick it out of your shoes, all for naught. And Paul is saying the stuff you pick out of your sneakers is your accomplishments, your education, your upbringing, your family tree, your religious and ethnic privileges, your great job, and your success at life, because none of it, none of it compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen? Yes. And we need to count them as laws. That is what it is going to take for us to get to the mountain of resurrection. You see, a relationship with Jesus Christ is up here. It's up here. It's actually on the ceiling. And all of your accomplishments, all of your successes, all the way down, 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 down here, down here. I don't want to break the mic. But you have to know it doesn't come. So here's the question for all of us today. What are the things in your life that you boast about that lead you away from Jesus that God is asking you to count as loss right now? You can go back to that if you can. Just leave that up for a second. Switchback number three, coming to the top. You can see that final switchback. It's a little bit like a J on its side. It goes down before it goes up. That's intentional. This is what Paul Miller calls the J-curve. Our after-school program director, Pitt Moore, calls it the Nike swish of the Christian life. You press the button there one more time for me, Karen. It is a descent into the sufferings of Christ and his death and then resurrection power. Begin again. Descent into the sufferings and the death of Jesus Christ coming out in his resurrection power. Verses 10 through 11. In the book of Philippians, Paul is showing us that our story is a lived expression of the story of Jesus Christ. And interestingly enough, we were talking about this in adult Sunday school today. Don't think that's by accident. We share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and are raised with him to resurrection power. There are two trails you can go on. 
One is the trail of comparison where we compare ourselves to others and we're either better than them or we're worse than them. But that's the wrong trail. It's the wrong story. The proper trail, the proper story is the path that Jesus Christ took himself, his own story. The point is for us to join the story of Jesus and live it out as, the, as an example for other people. And Paul, in, his, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, gives us two very clear examples of this. He says, Timothy, in Philippians 2, 19 through 22, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Serving Jesus, serving Jesus in the gospel with Paul meant sure suffering, countless experiences where they were close to death. The other example of this story lived out, Jesus' own story, is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, Paul says, came to me and he almost died coming to me to help serve me. These two men are living, breathing examples of the story of Jesus, and they are worthy, says Paul, of imitation. I think of my own story as a reactment of Christ's own story. If you know me and my family, you know that we have been going through a tremendous amount of suffering over the last two years. Let me share just a little bit of the suffering over the past year to illustrate the J-curve in my own life descend into suffering, death, and resurrection power. It's involved my family. I've asked for their permission. There are certain things I can't tell you for reasons of privacy or anonymity, but I'll give you a glimpse. Rachel, as you know, my daughter Rachel has learning disabilities. She worked so hard to get her CNA license, certified nursing assistants. It seemed to take forever. She had to take classes twice. She flunked an exam, took it, flunked the exam again. Marie Whitehead worked with her countless hours studying for this exam. And then she passed. She passed. It was an exciting moment. It was like, it was like dancing. It was like dancing. It was like dancing in the halls of my house. It just was a glorious moment. Resurrection powers. And then she couldn't get CNAA job. She never got an official CNA job. The cycle starts all over again. So Rachel decided to get a job. Now, one thing I want to tell you about my daughter, she's, pers- she's, she's a persevering young woman. She decided to get a job with the school district. Again, the same thing. She flunked exams, take the exams, flunked the exams. This time, Jean Ashman jumped in to help her with the exams. She passed the exams. And I am here to tell you that Rachel has a job with the school district of Philadelphia. As a one-on-one aide with a girl who has Down syndrome. And you want to know the really cool part? It's in our own neighborhood school. She gets to walk to work every single day. Uh, Lowell Elementary School, it's a, kid, it's a place where all my kids, Rachel, David, Samuel, that, that's their school. That's and the, the marvel of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we're dancing, we're enjoying just this resurrection power. It's flowing with us, we're enjoying it. 
And then we got the news in the spring that Amy's stepfather back down into suffering and death. We were just kind of coming up for air for that, and then we were plunged back down with another family crisis. This crisis can't really talk about, but let's just say it produced a ton of anxiety in our lives and began to drain our bank account. In the midst of that particular challenge, I prayed, Lord, won't you please remove these sufferings from our lives? I literally said amen to that prayer, and the phone rang, and Amy said she's taking David, our son David to the hospital. David had a stomach virus, and after three days was so completely dehydrated that his blood levels just went completely out of whack. So far, so much so that the nurse said, this is a really serious situation. David got better. Praise God. Resurrection power. Coming up for air. And then we were plunged down to the depths again with the news that Amy's mother, Joe, had stage four colon cancer. She died three months later. Why all the suffering? Because I'm here to testify we were brought into the heart of Jesus Christ himself, the suffering servant, our high priest who learned obedience through suffering. In the midst of all this deep, deep suffering, there were so many times that Amy and I just felt so alone. You were with us. You were praying for us, supporting us. We know that. We just still felt alone. And Jesus came to me and he said, Tim, foxes have dens, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. Jesus was the loneliest man who walked the planet Earth. And then he reminded us of his time in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was going to the for our sin. And these are the words he says to us. He says to you, because you're living this story as well, he says, walk my path. Live my story. Enter into my death. All for the final destination of resurrection power. The J-curve, the Nike swoosh, suffering, death, but resurrection power. I'm here to testify it's not all suffering. There's plenty of power. Our final destination, says the the Apostle Paul, is to attain to the resurrection. Verse 11 says that by any means possible, I, Paul, may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is what he means by any means possible. He uses the word attain, which I think is the perfect word because it takes a lot of work to get up that mountain, especially during the J-curve of it, that final switchback that takes us to glory at the top at resurrection. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of sweat. It is a lot of suffering. But there is resurrection. You know, the people of New Life, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have been critiqued by others outside of us, outside of our church, as people who often get stuck in the suffering. That we do not talk enough about resurrection power. 
I, I think that's a fair criticism. I really do. And I look at my life as one of your pastors, just what I've been modeling for you over the years, and I'm here to confess that I have led you in that a lot. I have gotten stuck in my own suffering. I'm trying to discern, like, what is that all about? Wallowing in it. I don't know. Maybe it's just a way of getting attention. I don't know. But I'm here to repent that I did that. And that's how I led you often. So please forgive me. We often, unfortunately, get stuck in our suffering, but not today. There is a new day, a new life church. Amen? There is a new chapter, and we can lead differently. I'm here to tell you, it's not just about the suffering. It's not just about the death. It is about the resurrection. My friend Vinny Torriello, who used to be the pastor at Northeast Community Church, he says, I see God building resilience in you, Tim. I see your perseverance. It reminded me of Romans 5. Through him we have also obtained access by by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance character, and character produces hope. I am a hopeful man here today. I'm suffering, my family is suffering, but I am a hopeful man here today because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of the story of Jesus Christ. As one of your pastors, I hope you see the character and the perseverance that God is developing in me and my family. How we are living the story of Jesus Christ right in front of you. Because I know you are walking this path towards resurrection. You have your own version of the Jesus story. Our final destination is not suffering or death. It is the new heavens and the new earth where there is only resurrection power. There is only glory of Jesus, which we learn in Sunday school today, which is so glorious that there is no sun, there is no moon, there's nothing but the glory of God to shed his light across his kingdom and across. Did you ever notice when... Somebody's really excited, they're doing they're leading worship, that they they jump. Did you ever notice that? Maybe it's not a part of our tradition here at New Life. But I've seen it over and over again. I saw it at the frequency conference. It's a little bit like we have kernels of corn and we're in hot oil and the Holy Spirit starts getting going and we pop. So stand up. It's fun. I don't I don't I think it's fun. So stand up. That's right. That's right. See, the kids have to live. Did you see what the kid just did? He just jumped up. He didn't even ask. Nobody said jump up. He just did it. But try it. Just try it. Try it three times. It's, it's glorious. It's glorious. The Lord is with us. Is it not fun? Are we not meant to be people who enjoy the glory of Jesus Christ? I'm getting so excited. My mouth is getting dry. I don't want to spit. I don't want to like start spitting all over people. 2 Corinthians 4. Stand up. Come on. Stand up, people of God. This is exciting times. This is talking about resurrection power. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. If you ever know Emeril Lagasse, you know Emeril Lagasse. This is for the old heads in the room. Right before he puts in like a special special little something into the sauce. He goes, bam! That's what power resurrection is. It's bam! It's the stuff that makes the secret sauce secret. 
is what makes the sauce good. Second Corinthians 12, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power, so that Christ's power, what is it? Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Second Corinthians 1. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Here it is. We felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. What does he do, people of God? He raises the dead. We are not a people who only dwell in the suffering, only dwell in death, but God resurrects us. He's taken every single one of that. We get off of the comparison scale. We get into the story of Jesus Christ. But it's all for resurrection power. You may be seated. So we go right to the table. The last scripture I have is 1 Thessalonians 5. This is the one that gets me through it every single time. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. I prayed that so many times during all these challenging circumstances. And I said, thank you, Lord, for them. Now, we have to be careful about this one. Because I don't think God's saying, thanks for all the hard circumstances. Yay, thank God. He's not saying that. I think what he's saying is the same thing he said in the book of Job. Have you considered my servant Job? He's talking to Satan. And then you know everything that Job went through. The point of Job is God saying, Satan, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Why? Because Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed. We may go through the hardest things, but we get to rejoice in them. We also have to lament. We have to be real. We don't want to be these fake people who just kind of put on a smile. I wouldn't smile. I said, Lord, please deliver me from these sufferings. But I thank the Lord for him because the way I thought of it is, it defeats Satan. That's the cross. That's the table. Jesus wins over Satan every single time. Suffering death always comes into resurrection. So let me encourage those who are coming uh, to help pass out the Lord's Supper. Please come forward. That's elders and deacons and those who been tapped on the shoulder to help today. So let's just let's just kind of take a moment to take this all in. It's a lot. It's been a lot for me. It's it's been even more for my wife. And we're just going to pon- it just ponder what Christ has done for us. Let just bow your heads. Go before the Lord. And